Listening to the Cannabis Hangout. Two girls, one bowl, and a podcast that is breaking the stigma of marijuana. My name is Brandon. And my name is Saba. We will be connecting with the community of cannabis enthusiasts by educating people, sharing stories from medical marijuana patients, and interviewing industry leaders while debunking cannabis myths. So we invite you to come roll with us while, while we, we break, break it all down. down. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode. I'm Saba. And I'm Brandon. And we are your hosts of the Cannabis Hangout. On today's episode, we have the pleasure of speaking with someone we've gotten to know and work pretty close with, closely with during our events. She brings such a unique and colorful flair to everything she does, and her presentation and consistency of her craft is unlike anything in this world. We are super excited to pick her brain and get to know her more, so everyone, please welcome Leela from Mimosa Creek Mixology to the Cannabis Hangout. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm yes. really excited to be here today. Thank you for taking time out of your day to be here with us, Leela. Let's start from the very beginning, though. Will okay. you please share with us your, the first time experiencing cannabis that you've yes, had? definitely. The first time experiencing cannabis, I was in junior high school. Okay. We were out on a school trip for debate. I was in debate. Oh, okay. Well, I, um, it was, I needed to defend myself a yeah. lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we hid behind the gym and we smoked some pot. and then we went to Denny's (laughs) and that was like the best pie I'd ever had in my entire life (laughs) I was just like in awe of everything going around me and it was a really good experience it didn't last super long you know we just Mm -hmm. ate a bunch of food went to the hotel and passed out and so for me it was like huh maybe this isn't the evilness that they put it you know because I'm a child of the 80s just say no dare it was Mm -hmm. gateway gateway drug drug, if you smoke some pot you're going to start doing heroin like immediately you know so it was really eye-opening to realize that it was just a fun and not a big deal and way yeah. less scary to me than like pill, you know, speed right. and caffeine pills were super popular back yeah. then. And so to me, that was really scary. And this was like, yeah. oh, that was kind of fun actually. Yeah. yeah. So who brought it? Do you um, remember? Oh well, yes. My artist friend, Mitch, he's a little crazy. But Shout yeah. out to Mitch, <laughs> yes. wherever you may be Thank now. You, <laughs> yeah. It was my bestie who I'm still best friends with. Oh, her, cool. It was her boyfriend. And so oh. he was like, always brought the weed. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, a yeah. good first experience though. Yeah. You got stony and then got to go eat and indulge in food. Like and then go that, like go that back combination. to the hotel. And then we got yeah. to go cry. It was great because I'd been stressed out all day mm-hmm. doing these debate mm-hmm. tournaments and trying to score oh, good yeah. scores. And so it was like the ultimate release. It was great. Did you wow. start like consuming pretty consistently after that? I or? didn't. My parents, I didn't. My parents were very strict about it. They ironically I found out years later I used to grow weed when I was before they had me I still got to see the picture albums much later that's cool and I think they just were scared because of being in a conservative state they Mm -hmm. moved to Oklahoma in the early 80s I think they were scared of someone at school finding out something so they just cut everything out Mm -hmm. and and I really feel like that's a big part of why I'm such a cannabis advocate now because I know that would have benefited my mom and her battle with cancer mm, and some yeah. of her other issues that caused her to die at a young age. Okay. And so not to jump right into the heavy stuff, yeah. but that was a big deal for me to, I, from a young age, I saw the difference between pharmaceuticals and plant medicine yeah. very quickly. And yeah. so, yeah, it's wow. become a passion of mine. Yeah. yeah. So how has cannabis been an ally for you personally and what's your go th- go-to method of consumption that fulfills your healing needs the quickest? Cannabis has been a huge ally for me in dealing with 
anxiety, depression, and stress the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I also lost my father last year and Sorry I've had a lot of, just a lot of stress. And mm-hmm. my preferred method is actually to combine all methods. Yeah. I tend to consume concentrates mm-hmm. by vaporizing them, but I also consume edibles at different points. I'm a big fan of minor cannabinoids, not just THC. Mm-hmm. So I use a lot of CBG, CBD, CBN, and combinations of those. So mm-hmm. I tend to, in the morning, I'll have a bunch of CBD with a little bit of THC. Mm-hmm. Midday, maybe I'll eat one of my little homemade gummies that's a low dose. Then I'll smoke in the evening when I'm relaxing with my husband. Mm-hmm. And then at bedtime, I'll eat a stronger edible. And it's a regimen that works really well for me. Yeah. I don't take any anti-inflammatories or any yeah. pain medications or anything. And I have some, so some cool. injuries and things that cause me some problems, but mm-hmm. I use topicals for yeah. that. That's awesome. I'll use CB, full spectrum CBD and THC yeah. topicals. And I'm able to manage my, my life without any drugs at all, That's which awesome. is hard to say when you're almost 50. I know really and truly it's really um, powerful to be able to say that you know a lot of people can't say that and to be like very holistic in that sense is like it's a beautiful thing yeah yeah it is and I had both of my children without drugs. I had natural childbirth wow, as well. Okay, so, so I'm pretty hardcore that. when yeah. it comes to drugs. And so, so cool. I honestly, if cannabis had not become legalized in Oklahoma, I would have mm-hmm. had to move to Colorado, where my husband is from, because okay. it's something I really need in my life. Mm-hmm. In addition, um, psilocybin mushrooms have been a big part of my healing yeah. journey this last mm-hmm. year to help with some of my relearning and some of my cognitive therapy. But, yeah. but anyway, plant medicine is crucial. Yes. From as far as I'm concerned, it's something that I will never give up. Yeah. Pry it out of my hands. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. So, so at what point in your life did it become more than just getting high? And like, when was your like aha moment where you were like, this is actually benefiting my life? Well, interestingly, I didn't smoke or use cannabis at all during my college years and during graduate school. And I was very stressful period. I probably should have. But yeah, I, was just, I didn't either. But I was, mm-hmm. I was really point. scared of mm-hmm. messing up. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was like, it's all this money. It's all this pressure. Yeah, you know, I have yeah. to do well. I went to an expensive school. So I was kind of scared. And so when I graduated and all my friends were, you know, we were, my husband's a musician. So we're mm-hmm. going to music festivals. We're doing all this stuff. And I just gradually one day realized it was like this aha moment when we had a nice house with a pool, a lot, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but a no, lot of people, a lot of people were there yeah. after a festival, you know, we had some bands staying with us. We had, were having a pool party. It was a huge party. And I would normally just have a couple of drinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when they left, they gifted me all these different, they're like, here, I'll eat. they all grew their own cannabis. So they That's all gifted cool. me all this oh, cool cannabis. Yeah. And I happened to start my period and have the worst cramps. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? And I just smoked a big fat bowl and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> You're like, this is life changing. Yeah. yeah. And so from that moment on, I was like, in it, I was smoking with everybody. I was, and I was great because we, it was part of our culture. Yeah. yeah. We were in St. Louis at the time. Wow. And so we okay. were doing swag stocks in Southern Missouri and doing all these, these great events. And so it just became That's part awesome. of the culture. Yeah. yeah. But it really shifted from being something that I think I still feel recreational cannabis use is much, is fantastic. It's much yes. less harmful than alcohol or yeah. right. recre- mm-hmm. even recreational drugs, which I'm not against either, but, yeah. um, it really shifted to becoming medicine for me when I kind of hit my forties, you know, and suddenly I had to shift my diet. Mm -hmm. I I shifted from strictly vegetarian to incorporating gelatin in certain things. I Mm -hmm. switched taking out, taking out inflammatory foods. Mm -hmm. I stopped drinking and suddenly I realized I feel a lot better. Mm -hmm. You know, I immediately lost weight and went to what I feel is like my normal weight, which is now. Mm -hmm. I, just saw such changes that I really was like, this is a wake up call. And so I completely stopped drinking several years ago mm-hmm. and started experimenting with cannabis infusions. That's kind of was the genesis yeah. of my business mm-hmm. because I was still very social. I wanted to go to parties. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just started bringing my own drinks. 
and that's kind of how things started. And, and I started wanting to share that with more people. That's awesome. That's so cool. we'll dive into that in just a little sure. bit. But how how is the cannabis conversation amongst your family? Are you pretty open about your consumption with your kids? I'm extremely open. I have a 16-year-old and a 12-year-old. And so they're both kind of at a crucial age where we have to talk about these issues and we have to keep communication really open, I feel, with them to just keep them safe and mm-hmm. take care of them. So with my 16-year-old, he asks questions from time to time. Well, when is it appropriate to use mm-hmm. cannabis recreationally? And so we talk a lot about how... He right now is in AP classes. He's working really hard in a lot of classes. Mm-hmm. And at 16, his prefrontal cortex isn't developed fully. Mm-hmm. I've, I look hard for negative studies because I, I want to either debunk them mm-hmm. <laughs> regarding yeah. cannabis. I wonder want to debunk them or understand them. Yes. And the only thing negative I can find relative to youth using cannabis is that in young males, when your prefrontal cortex isn't developed, you start forming habits. And so it's very easy to replace excessive cannabis use, use excessive cannabis and replace other healthier habits. Right. Yeah. Studying, you know, and it, and, yes. it, and it tends you to get you more addicted to dopamine. So you tend to just do more gaming and more quick mm-hmm. fix type of activities. And so we had just have intelligent conversations about how the longer he can delay that, he can create positive habits. He can continue to do his orchestra and his activities at school. Right. And he's a very high functioning high school student. You know, he's mm-hmm. a great kid. And so we just talk about if there's something that you need it for, if you start to experience distress, health problems, that's when we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Recreationally, please wait a few years. Yeah. Yeah. And also yeah. don't drink. You know, yeah. so. Yes, but totally. It's, so it's, we talk about it frequently. And with my ch- awesome. younger daughter, I, ch- I talk a lot about CBD with her and hemp because we're having our periods and mm-hmm. we're having a lot of mood swings associated with the puberty. Yes. <laughs> you know, when, my, when my oldest went through puberty, I gave him a lot of CBD mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he experienced a lot of nervous tics, some speech disorders yeah. and stuff. And so with a combination of things, we used a combination of Battle Buddy from Nature's Yay. Key. Amazing. And, yeah. and then the CBD drinks, you know, for, uh-huh. to get that, because that's a quicker access to your bloodstream when, yeah. it's, when it's a smaller molecule. So mm-hmm. we used a combination of those things and immediately saw a difference. And he's completely cleared of any nerve nerve issues. That's so awesome. he's doing great. And then that. with my daughter, yeah. I just make sure I support her with a lot of CBD for mm-hmm. her hom- yeah. hormones. Yeah. I feel like... I would love to hear more parents talking about CBD for their mm-hmm. children and how it can benefit their endocannabinoid system going yes. through puberty and getting yes. older. And like, you know, when like when I was in Ireland, my niece was like, my arm there's out of the blue, my arms hurting really bad. Like it's just and I was like, it's probably growing mm-hmm. pains like those are real. She just kept complaining. And so she just took like, she'll, I'll just take a tablet like. Right. And I'm like. Or somebody could just have CBD in the house and yes. you could just take that. But it's just not like thought about like even you saying the nervous tics and stuff. That mm-hmm. makes me think of my nieces and nephew. And I'm like, wow, they could probably use this for that or that for it's this, true. you know. And it's I wish more parents talked about it, especially in older, not so much like younger kids, but like in the teenage right. area when they are going through so much like emotional transfer- transformations mm-hmm. and, you know, the mood swings, the periods, the puberty. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's it's not really tapped in too much. CBD is so supportive for mm-hmm. puberty. And it's also something that it's not something that you take symptomatically necessarily. It's the kind of thing you need to be taking consistently and having in your system because since we do have such a strong endocannabinoid, our our bodies have endocannabinoid receptors in every organ in our body except for our brain stem. So our endocrine system knows how to take these these compounds and Mm -hmm. create hormones out of them, create what we need. And so if we can keep that cup full of these Mm -hmm. compounds, our body can function the way it's supposed to. And it really supports basically homeostasis within the body. So 
it's something that you need to be putting in your diet consistently. And so yeah. we make sure we're, you know, we do smoothies a lot in the morning because yeah. we're, we're in a hurry. And so we're putting like our hemp hearts, we're putting our CBD, we're putting nice. our greens and we're putting That's all awesome. that. So I don't have to worry about what they eat for the rest of the day. <laughs> Basically, yeah. it's just my hack. I just yeah. like, here, drink this green drink. And, then and they can, love and it. And then you can go out to lunch and I won't worry about it. Yeah, because yeah. you got a lot of goodness They work little, you. so they love it. That's yeah. awesome. Which is good. Creating healthy habits. Mm-hmm. So let's flip the script a little, Lila. Sorry. Will you please <laughs> share with us a little bit about who you are and what you do in your own words? Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's pause for a minute and talk about Oklahoma's grassroots cannabis publication, Herbage Magazine. They are in over 500 dispensaries statewide, providing cannabis education and supporting and highlighting the local communities. For more information, visit HerbageMag.com. That's H-E-R-B-A-G-E-M-A-G.com. Thought about this a little bit before I came here, and it's kind of <laughs> tough because I'm all over the place. Yes. I'm a, I'm I'm all over the place. How far back do you want me to go? Honestly, my my background, my degrees are in art. I'm a photographer by training, okay. and so that's why I put so much care into the aesthetics of what I do. I really enjoy the visual aspect of what I do, and I think food is a very important visual medium. Yes. So, what was the question? <laughs> Just a little bit about who you are and what oh, you so do. Yeah. So, so my background is in art and photography. And so that kind of informs everything that I do. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of different things throughout my life. Um, I would consider myself kind of a, a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I, I start a lot of different things. And I don't necessarily give them up because they fail, but because I just I have to keep learning and exploring. I'm, mm-hmm. a, very, I'm a very curious person, I would say. So, yeah. So I try to find things that can visually excite me and also something I'm passionate about. And in this case, cannabis is a huge thing for me. And being able to combine it with food and herbs has, is just like perfect for me. <laughs> it sounds like it's right down your lane. So what made you want to get into the cannabis space and just like kind of create a footprint here? Well, it's interesting. I, I sort of fell into it because of things outside of the dispensary, because we had a friend who was really successful with Mighty Kind and Loyal Hemp and some of his brands in St. Louis, some of the things we distribute and a lot of the products I use with Melissa Creek. And so we started bringing some of his products here and familiarizing people with cannabis Mm -hmm. before dispensaries opened in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And so through the use of minor cannabinoids, I was, it opened my eyes to all of the spectrum of cannabis products that there's so much benefit from low dose and, and the terpenes and how important those combinations are. And so that just really intrigued me because I, kind of scientific too that's yeah. why I went into, yeah. that's why I went into photography because mm-hmm. I love painting and other forms of art but photography is also scientific yes yeah. and technical and I love that so yeah so you create a plethora of beautiful cocktails and edible treats have you always been crafty in the kitchen or is that a skill set you've acquired along the way and how did you tap into that side of you Oh, I've always been in the kitchen. <laughs> Both of my parents were pretty good cooks. My mom was on the health side. Like okay. she loved to bake the whole wheat bread and yeah. make us eat carob chip cookies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My dad came up working in tons of restaurants after he dropped out of college. So he he was making the Chinese food. They, okay, hung, out with Hare, cool. they hung out with Hare Krishnas for a while yeah. in the 70s and like stayed with them. So they cooked feasts. So he knew how to, he cooked, taught me how to make Indian food and cool. on and on. And so we ate a lot of really weird food growing up. Yeah. Like I took weird lunches to school and yeah. I made fun of for my food. Okay. Did you 
you hate that. Uh, now growing up, I'm like, people, kids were such assholes they for really making were. fun of me. They I was made, just tra- celebrating my yeah. culture and they made me feel guilty about it. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But now I make, you know, a nigiri and send it home to school with my daughter. And yeah. My friends are like begging for some. So anyway. That's awesome. <laughs> so I've always been really into food and it's always been kind of an expression of love for me. I used to throw big dinner parties when I lived in St. Mm. Louis for all my friends okay, and yeah. have theme parties and make all this food and That's drinks. So fun. That's and awesome. I used to bartend also for a number of years, which is okay. how I got into drinks. I used okay. to bar- yeah. I bartended in St. Louis in the Central West End, which okay. is a really happening neighborhood in the 90s. And so Very in the early cool. 2000s, early 2000s more so, not that old, geez. But <laughs> I, learned, I learned about balancing cocktails and yeah. how to make them exciting yeah. from working with in that restaurant. So that's really so nice. I just kind of awesome. combined all these random things I've the done in my life. Too. Yeah. 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 And crafting, you know, I love making, I do miniatures. Mm-hmm. That's my hobby. I make What's your like things. really good, your go-to dish that somebody's like, Lila, make, make the best thing that you make. What's like the, <gasps> your go-to. Well, the most requested dish is my vegetarian tortilla soup. Ooh. Because I only make it once a year for Dia de los Muertos. Mm. And so people ask about it all the time. It's really good. I replace the chicken with hominy and mushrooms and a lot of really savory Ooh. stuff. Mm. And um, a few secret ingredients. It's when really do you good. make it? I make it for the Dia de los Muertos, which is like November okay. 2nd. Oh, and okay. So I do it once a year yeah. for our family, mm-hmm. family feast where we... I'm sure you know about Dia de los Muertos. We yeah. put up our ofrenda. We mm-hmm. put out all the pictures of our family. We make all their favorite foods. And I make that soup. That's and awesome. And we eat it. Really and we, cool. It has lots of toppings. It's mm. really colorful. Mm-hmm. You put fried tortillas and cilantro. And avocado and cilantro and all kinds of fresh toppings on top of the soup so that the base is cooked down and really earthy. And then mm. the toppings are fresh. And then it has crunchy tortillas in the middle. Yum. I need to try that. And then I make gluten-free <laughs> churros with it for my friends. Wow. So, so wow. I, people always ask, are you doing it this year? Such a gem. <laughs> you I know, are. I know it. <laughs> Anyways. So. so with the business you've created, Memosa Creek Mixology, yes. it's unlike anything we've seen in the cannabis market. But so what inspired you to start wanting to like infuse edible treats and drinks with hemp? Mostly just because I do it for myself at home. Yeah. And for my friends. Mm-hmm. And they're like, this is so good. This is why. Yeah, I, how do you do that? I don't have time to do that. And I'm right. like, well, just because I'm a nerd and I want to know if I can. It's your craft. So every time mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I want to do I watch all these cooking shows. I watch the Great British Baking Show. And I'm like, wow. oh, I'm going to try that. So, I'm, so I, I bunch from it. caramel yeah. to fruit. You know, I just, I love it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what made you pick hemp? Because you could have done like, you know, t- the THC side of it. You do CBD. But I like- dabbled in THC. We actually had a processing license okay. briefly and, and put out a couple of things. But ultimately, I loved the flexibility of the non-regulated mm-hmm. cannabinoids. I like being able to go to people's parties and events and have an infusion that's actually complementary to THC. Because yeah. if you're smoking a ton of cannabis, mm-hmm. CBD is going to keep Instead of having that steep incline of where you're just super high, mm-hmm. it's going to be more of a sustained ride, and you're right. going to get more of the pain relief and the body feel mm-hmm. and more of what you really want from your cannabis. So yeah. when people are at these part events and they're dabbing and they're smoking, which is great, adding some can- some CBD to that or some yeah. CBG really mm-hmm. changes the experience. It sure does. When I first started, I was also using a lot of terpenes in, mm-hmm. in my stuff, and now I'm gravitating more towards using just plants but yeah 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 so you mentioned cbg how is that beneficial for those eating or drinking it like what kind of effects does it have so cbg is not psychoactive Mm -hmm. it's extremely anti-emitic in other words anti-nausea and it also has anti-inflammatory properties a great deal of research is being done about cbg right now it's a Mm -hmm. newer cannabinoid but one of the more compelling studies i found is for children who are undergoing chemo, undergoing chemotherapy, they were able to give them CBG intravenously and had no vomiting. It was extremely wow. powerful for that, but had no psychoactive effects. 
it's something that's being studied for a lot of digestive issues, for mm-hmm. its antibacterial effects, for things like IBS. It's great for topicals, for wound care and things like that, because mm-hmm. it's you're going to get pain relief and antibacterial effects from it. So CBG is something that also c- can be a bit energizing. Mm-hmm. It's often compared to green tea okay. in the sense that okay, in yeah. the sense that it's a little more energizing, uh-huh. sort of the opposite of CBN, which can be very sedative. Yes. Wow. That's cool. You're so smart. <laughs> I love all your knowledge. So where do you find, like, you do a lot of research. What do you, because yeah. sometimes, you know, typing into Google can be overwhelming. So, like, right. where do you go to find the research right. and how do you know what you're reading is? Because I know people listening to this are probably like, where is she going to research this stuff? Like, where is she it's finding tough, her yeah. stuff? So, like, where do you go? Where's your go-to? Well, for starters, I've taken training with Regina Nelson. So I have taken clinician training Got and it. I have my clinician manual. So when I have questions, often I'll go to that mm-hmm. if I have questions about the science. Mm-hmm. But I do actually, because I'm a huge nerd, do go read whatever scientific papers I can find or at least the synopsis of yeah. it, you know, at least the, the digest. Um, but it's hard to find good sources. That's really true. And, and it's something that I think the industry here in Oklahoma really should be addressing mm-hmm. at a dispensary level in terms of training the bud tenders. I think a lot of people are lost when mm-hmm. they go into a dispensary as to mm-hmm. what products are going to benefit them the most. And mm-hmm. they're forced to do their own research. I am able to find information also, <clears throat> excuse me, from, there are some sources out there that are sharing their information, but mm-hmm. it's tough because the platforms we all use are very discriminatory. And so yeah. they have to be coded. Yes. They have to use coded language and often their their information is suppressed. Yeah. Unfortunately. So can, that's a good point. It's really tough yeah. to get good information. But yeah. I do recommend taking a training class such as okay. the clinician or in other courses. It's useful to learn how to journal your cannabis use, mm-hmm. how to keep track of what what terpene. Now, I, people often talk about what strain works for you, and I feel like that can be misleading sometimes. It's really important to journal the terpenes that were in yeah. that particular product right. and look for those terpenes because they could exist in many different strains. Yeah. It's important yeah. to look at the ratios and what terpenes work for you and mm-hmm. and just know what you're looking for when you go in. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna try to sell you what, what's on sale, and mm-hmm. you want to get what's really going to benefit you. Yeah, yeah. which I feel like That's solid advice hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Know what you want going in. Yeah. If you're ever in the Oklahoma City area, check out Chill Dispensary at 22 Northeast 10th Street. They're good people with hand-washed, single-source, live rosin, flour, pre-rolls, and other solventless products. So go show them some love and enjoy a chill experience. Now, back to the episode. So what's your process of creating? Like, How do you get in the zone and how long does it take you to create (laughs) each masterpiece? Well, it takes me a while <laughs> because typically I do three or four versions and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And then I make my kids drink it, you know, what I mean? oh, yeah. <laughs> which they love because I'm always, they're always like, can I drink their guinea pigs? They, you know, I always label really clearly stuff that has THC in it, mm-hmm. but they still mm-hmm. are like, can I drink that? Or is that for an event? Can I drink that? Or is that for someone <laughs> yeah. else? You know, it's because they love drinking my drinks, which we didn't ever have soda in the house. We never have tea. We just have CBD that. drinks and juice. That's we cool. make a lot of agua fresca and things like that. So that's cool. Yeah. Healthy. <laughs> I love that. I don't know if I answered the question. No, you did. You did. (laughs) So have you found a market for like the type of experience that you're trying to create? Because it is so unique and um, so well executed on your end. Thank you. And it targets not just like one type of person or like group. I feel like it can, you know, go through a lot of ways. But do you feel like you've kind of like not, found where you want to be or is it just like... Not yet. Actually, okay. it's interesting you said that because... And it's really me too trying mm-hmm. to decide what I'm willing to offer because I do so many things. Yeah. It's really what what do I want to package 
mm-hmm. okay for mm-hmm. sale yeah you know because yes. i'm an artist and yeah. so it's hard like i'll I do know. so many things that i don't want to sell yeah but i do want to share my art with people mm-hmm. so right it's been a little tough i've been kind of experimenting at this point yeah um i'm excited to be involved with high in heels again this year okay which is another a cannabis charity event and okay. so this year i'm excited to not only be providing the mocktail bar but i'm also working with a lot of the visuals and doing a okay. lot oh. of that's, i also do balloons and yeah and props yeah. i build props and do things like that too so yes you're more than just like the baking aspect yeah. or creating the food and the drinks. I, I, yeah. My hope is to, with a little more development, my hope is to next year be offering pop-up packages. Okay. So yeah. I can come and just pop up and do this. So I'm de- right now I'm developing different packages of different decor. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say, but I'm building some yes. props. I'm working on some cool stuff. Of course you are. For photo backdrops and things. Of course you are. Using You're my s- art degrees. Yeah. As you should. Yeah. I feel like yeah. you kill it with that. So I remember at our Cinco de Mayo event, there were a good amount of people that went by your booth and tried, you know, your drinks, mm-hmm. your um, goodies that you had. And some of the people that had come had never consumed any form of cannabis before in their yeah. lives. And because of chatting with you and you spreading education and information, they felt more comfortable trying a new thing. One of my best friend's sister was one of those people. And she came up to me after and she was like drinking your drink. And I was like, I was like, what are you doing? She was like, oh, I'm trying this CBD drink. And she was just like telling me all the things that you had told her. And she was so open to trying and she'd never consumed any form of cannabis before. So we love having you at our events because of all the goodness and education you bring, but also because people feel so comfortable with who you are. And they always, I always see people like coming by your booth multiple times and like hanging out with you because of who you are. How do you feel knowing that you've been and still have yet to be a piece of people's cannabis journeys? And do you experience this often? Well, I, I do spend a lot of time talking to people about cannabis when I, before I sell them a drink because they have a lot of questions. Yeah. What's in it? Can I drink this? What's going to happen to mm-hmm. me after I drink it? And yeah. so because I'm so passionate about it, I love talking to people about it. Mm-hmm. I spend a ton of time doing it. I, if, that makes me really happy that you Good. said that. Yeah, Thank people you. People appreciate that. Yeah, so really it makes do. me so sweet. Basically, I feel like I've found some, some magic is what it is. I, not to get too dark, but my mom and my grandmother both died at a young age. They both had Mm -hmm. cancer. They both used alcohol to medicate their problems. Mm -hmm. They both used it as a crutch and a shield to avoid things. And I watched it go down and my mom was 46 when she died. Oh, wow. Very young. So I'm already older than her. I mean, I'll I'll be 49 this year. And there's, I watched the process of them destroying themselves because they didn't have any other tools. They didn't have access to the words. They didn't have access to the medicine that would help them. Mm-hmm. And they also had a ton of judgment to deal with. Yeah. They It was in the 80s and the early 90s. You know, my mom died in 2000, but she fought so hard for everything she did. She was a business owner and was very successful, but it took a lot out of her. And yeah. so when I had children, I really committed to myself that I would put them first mm-hmm. and put myself before everything after them and, yeah. and really try to be there for them being, I was much older than my mom when I had my kids too. And so, you know, having teenagers and my, you know, pushing 50, I really yeah. wanted to be there for them. And mm-hmm. so I started to take better care of myself is really what happened both emotionally and physically. I love to hear you say that. Cause that's something I often saw in my mom growing up. Cause my mom was an older mother. Mm-hmm. She passed away at 64 and I was 29. Awesome. So it, but to, see, to hear you say that is cool because it's like changing the course of how you've been raised, breaking those cycles and untraining yourself of yeah. things that you've seen or been trained to do growing up. And to hear that you're doing that, have done that, and then are still doing that with your kids is such a cool thing because 
your mom was a great oh mom, God, it's so but much work. it's also breaking <laughs> those cycles and untraining <laughs> yes. yourself of your like yes, yes. The generational seen. Yeah. curses and or whatever you want to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's really cool I, I to hear. I go so far as to say generational trauma because yeah. I feel that's that the better. dynamic between my parents was not healthy. I mean, they were together when she died, but there was a lot of anger, a lot of fighting, mm-hmm. a lot of negative ways of dealing with their emotions that didn't involve talking about it or anything yeah, like coping, that. They just yeah. involved screaming at each other and slamming doors and mm-hmm. calling names. And so mm-hmm. my husband and I both grew up with parents. His parents are more, much healthier than mine, but they, they yelled, you know, mm-hmm. she's Mexican. She'd scream and she'd yeah. throw a chunk at you, you know, like she's not nice mm-hmm. about things. She loves you to death, but she's yeah. not nice about anything. <laughs> and so both of us wanted to be different parents. We wanted yeah. to be gentler. We wanted to be available both of us felt like we couldn't have gone to our parents with our problems. Yeah. So we didn't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. We love our children a lot and we want them to come to us. And they do at this point. You know, my my youngest is queer and we talk a lot about those issues. Mm-hmm. My oldest is very independent and mm-hmm. we so I, but he checks in with me and mm-hmm. I feel like they're doing really well because they feel supported. Yeah. They're that's not they don't have that fear of failure. That's that really important. Yeah. I had the same <laughs> thing growing up and Pressure. I feel like, yeah. And you could never I never felt comfortable going to my parents. Even though I knew that they were the safe space, I they never made me feel that way because no. it was constant pressure of what will people think yes. and make sure you're not doing Don't something wrong. Me. Don't right. embarrass me. Like you, yes. you're messing up your future, like college, blah, blah, blah. And like that was mm-hmm. the focus, like getting married, having kids, but not like encouraging me to just be me. Mm-hmm. And not that they didn't do that, but they did it in their own way of controlling. Right. right. So it's just, I, I see where you Something are Something I say to my, parents cool. all the, to my kids all the time. I was like, we were raised in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Parenting did not exist. They either yelled at us or ignored us. Yeah, like, there I'm you sorry. Go. Yeah. We're figuring this out as we go. Yeah. Bear with us. We tell them that all the time. We apologize because yeah. our parents never apologize. And yeah. you're just like keeping it real. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? It's, like, it's just like we're open about our cannabis yeah. to bring it back to what we're talking about. I talk to them all the time about how it helps me. I talk, I'm open with them about the fact that I microdose with mushrooms and yeah, that it cool. is an important mm-hmm. plant medicine. I'm also really open with them about the reasons for mm-hmm. cannabis prohibition, mm-hmm. the reasons for alcohol's proliferation, and explain to them that those motives need to be looked at yeah. <laughs> and that and their generation yeah. needs to do better. And it's important for them to know because that's how change happens for the next Absolutely. generation Absolutely. and the generation yeah. after them. Mm-hmm. Sound yeah. like you're a really good mom, Leah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'm yeah. trying. It's hard. You know, you want to talk about college, but I. Mm. he's like, but I don't know my degree yet. You know, we're hard yeah so I don't want to push him like my right. parents did they yeah. made me go to college they made me get a master's degree yeah, yeah. I'm still paying for it yeah Ugh. same well till I die haunting same. you forever it's horrible <laughs> so do you feel like creating the craft and the experience that you have uh, that it's shifted your relationship with cannabis and if so how do you how do you think Setting up a new company can be difficult and confusing, but establishing a strong foundation with appropriate and necessary documents can help protect you in the long run. Jade Pebworth over at the Me Law Group in Oklahoma focuses to provide you with a comprehensive approach and intelligent advice and representation focused on resolving problems rather than inflating them. She kills it with civil litigation, cannabis law, business planning, corporate law slash litigation, and family law. She enjoys working with companies from the ground up. Whether you need her to review and draft contracts for your company, assist in licensing applications, and more, the Me Law Group has your back. Now, let's get back to today's episode. It has because it's become a passion of mine to normalize it. Mm -hmm. It's become very important to me to talk about it everywhere I go. I was just at a high school football game and talking to another mom about, because she's also a medical patient. We both have our cards and we were talking about cannabis use and about how 
we struggle with the other moms judging us. It's something yeah. I struggle with, especially with my middle school kid. The other moms look up my Facebook page and my Instagram page and they're like, well, they, they won't let them come over. They won't let Ugh. them spend the night. That's we, so have to ha- we had to have her birthday party at a park. Because people think our house is unsafe. Not, I mean, my friends. Well, they're going to be. No, it's the opposite. Yeah, I, have yeah. no th- I have no guns, no knives, no mm-hmm. drugs, nothing yeah. to get overdose on. It's yeah. like the safest house on the block, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to have Tylenol. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. It's hard. It's a lot of discrimination it against is. moms. That's unfortunate. They all drink, though. Well, and yeah, but you're you like, know you're every like, now and then they probably smoke a joint, too. They probably do, you know? but they just hide it from their kids. Of course. But it's like you're not. They're, but I guess they're worried about that their kid's going to be like a secondhand high from you blowing cannabis in their face because you're just going to be walking yeah. around. You I know, know. Like, blowing what cannabis is... in kids' faces. Like, what? No, I don't smoke around my kids. You I... know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like yeah. you have some decency to you to where, like, if I you have... I actually. I, you know? I'm like, you can't be in here. There, there's smoke still lingering. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I just smoked it. Like, yeah. not actively smoking. I'm still right. like, come back in a minute. Let the air, clean, let the air cleaner work. And yeah. then come back because we rarely smoke in the house only at night mm-hmm. when they're supposed to be in bed. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you should. Yeah. So, what can people expect for the remainder of the year with um, you and Mimosa Creek and what you do? Well, I'm trying to show people that I can provide an experience and it's yes. not just mixology. It's yes. also events. Yes. It's, it's My tagline is actually Mimosa Creek Mixology and Events because I love to do the visual stuff. So You're good at it. I'm excited at this upcoming event in November yeah. to show what I can do where it's a masquerade theme, in which oh, cool. I love Venice. So it's going to be really interesting and fun. And so I think for the rest of the year, you're going to see me doing select events but mostly I'm going to be developing my craft and I'm going yeah. to be showing you guys more of my photography backdrops. And Super neat. Really, so yeah, I, I have cool. this idea to kind of get into the prop game, you know? Yeah. So we'll I feel see. like you would kill it at that. <laughs> you like will. every time you set up, it's just like, yeah, we've had for wow. anyone listening who doesn't know, we've had Leela at some of our, um, the, I guess all of our <laughs> events or puff and paints that we've done. Um, and she'll be at the, our, Set our third puff and paint on Friday, October 13th mm-hmm. set up. And you always do a great visual. Oh, I'm going to do something just... spooky. I absolutely love Ooh, spooky can't stuff wait. and oh, costumes. It's so going to be do so great. Yay. Can't wait. Yes. <laughs> That's exciting. So what's a stigma revolving cannabis you would like to see changed? Um, that cannabis makes you a bad parent. I mean, that's the biggest one I face, mm-hmm. that using cannabis is going to make you checked out or absent from your kids' lives. And mm-hmm. I find the opposite. I I battle my thoughts racing when I'm stressed and have mm-hmm. anxiety. And I find that cannabis actually slows me down and allows me to focus in on what my kids are saying to me and focus yeah. in on what they really need and pick up on what they're not telling me, yeah. even, or their body language or just be there for them. And so, I mean, I've, I've drank alcohol my whole life until recently, not to excess most of the time, not yeah. since I was younger and <laughs> my mom died, but um, uh, it's it just it's something cutting that out has just felt I just feel so much more present is the best way to say it and so I wish people could see that it doesn't make you a bad parent it actually makes me it easier for me to control my anger to pause before I speak to pay it like focus in on my kid and what Mm -hmm. they're really trying to tell me yeah no I wish people would would listen more to the parents that tell them yeah and why don't you believe these parents Mm -hmm. who are saying this helps me this is good for my family yeah Yeah. why can't you believe them they're parents who Mm -hmm. love their kids they're not lying to you right they wouldn't do it if it hurt their family yeah no that's good I'm glad you expressed on that because that's a very important I think for people to just it's a reminder always I think I feel like people need to hear Mm -hmm. that so 
Thank you for expanding on One that. One last thought. I also want the parents who feel like they need to hide their cannabis use from their kids to consider that it's good to see you normalizing self-care. It's good for yeah. your kids to see you making choices for yourself and not being pressured into what everyone else thinks is appropriate for you. And just yeah. consider that it may not be harmful for your kids yeah. to mm -hmm. know about your cannabis use. Mm -hmm. It's much healthier than the alternatives. Yeah, yeah. that's solid advice. Yeah, yeah thanks right. for sharing that, Leela. Um, well, I think this wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for so taking welcome. time out of your day to chat with us and share your passion and your knowledge. Um, you're the full package. Oh, really thank are. You. And we appreciate you. I'm and so welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you for giving me a platform. Yeah, and I enjoy coming to your events very much. It's nice to be appreciated. We love <laughs> to have you, Lila. Likewise. You're the best. Thank you so much thank for everything. So much. And for those of you who want to keep up with everything she's doing at Mimosa Creek Mixology and have her out at your next event, be sure to follow at Mimosa Creek Mixology on Instagram and check her website out at www.mimosacreekmixology.com. And thank you for all of those who tuned in to today's episode. Stay tuned for next week's. And as always, um, stay medicated. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.